Okay, this is our uh, weekly Bible study for, what is it, November 5th? November 5th, 2006. And uh, sorry about that, time kind of gets away from me. We were just singing, Say by the Blood of the Crucified One. And uh, you know who really got me fired up about that song? There's uh, the, Remember the pro wrestler Gorgeous George? You ever heard of him? <laughs> he was from like the 50s and 60s. Well, he came to uh, Nonetta was I and I were there when he came to New Testament Baptist, and uh, he was something else. He's saved now. He's he's an evangelist, and uh, he 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 was. I remember he that was one of his favorite songs or whatever. And uh, he he was wonderful as far as. Uh, uh, his preaching and, and uh, the stories that he told and everything. I actually got to be pretty good friends with him, and uh, I adjusted him a few times. And uh, he tried. He was trying, to be honest with. He was kind of trying to fix me up with his daughter. <laughs> so um, he. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but um, he was something else. But that was. I think that was his favorite song, and uh, that's one of my favorites too. Yeah. He was fake. Yeah. And he threw out these gold body pins. They were gold. And people yeah. were just scrambling to get them. And yeah. He was something else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I thought, you know, when I heard him got saved, you know. Yeah, amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, he was something else. Um. Some current events for this week. Uh, there's been a big thing this week about uh, Ted Haggard. Have you heard about this yet? Oh, you haven't heard about Ted Haggard? Well, he's the uh, pastor of New Life Church of Colorado Springs. Um, he's, uh, well, I'll just read this to you. This is from Cutting Edge. I got this. I, I heard this before Cutting Edge came out with it, though. It's, I've been all over the news. The, 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 uh, the establishment's all over this. Um, just one week before the election, a gay prostitute outed Pastor Ted Haggard of New Life Church in Colorado Springs as being a closet gay and having had sexual relationship with a prostitute for three years. Even though Haggard denied the charges, he resigned as pastor of the church as the top leader of the National Association of Evangelicals. He was the leader. Yeah, he, he's the top of the game here. Uh, now, cutting edge is weaving this into the whole... Uh, how this is coming around the same time of, as elections are coming, and what David Bay at Cutting Edge's contention is, and I think he's, there's a lot of validity here, is we've had now um, not a total of eight years of Bush, but what Bush has done in office has been so satanic and it's so chronicled, and it's given everybody such a bad taste in their mouth, and Bush is associated with obviously Republicans, and the Republicans are always associated with Christians. Okay, of course it's a lukewarm Christianity we're in reference to here, and so what? Cutting edge, David Bay believes, and I, and I think he makes a very good case for this, is that um, they're trying to discredit Christianity by discrediting the top leaders. See if they can discredit the 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 Benny Hins and, and the George Bushes and the Ted Haggards or whatever, uh, then they discredit the whole movement. You know, the, the, by that, there's a term in the Bible, in Proverbs, where it talks about if the head is sick, then the whole body's sick. You can't have the head not be sick in the body. And, and that's the truth. And, that, and it is 
very much the truth for Christianity today. Um, Ted Hager's at the, at the very, very top of this real apostate evangelical group. Um, so, this is from Colorado Springs. Uh, this story is from Associated Press. It says, uh, leaders of National Evangelical Association plan to meet by telephone Friday, hours after groups. the group's president resigned amid allegations he paid a man for sex. Reverend Ted Haggard resigned as the head of a 30 million member association. 30 million members. So we're talking, he's at the very, very top of a 30 million member, probably one of the largest so-called pseudo-Christian organizations in the country. Um, he also, uh, not only did he resign from that position Thursday, he also gave up leadership of his New Life Church Pending the investigation and allegations he had monthly trysts with a gay prostitute over the last three years. Haggard denied the allegations in an interview and on other media outlets Wednesday. Notice that Haggard denied the allegations totally in the last sentence. But that was on Wednesday. On Thursday, Haggard changed his tune somewhat. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now this is the next headline. Haggard admits to some, quote, some of the allegations. Evangelical leader earlier denied man's claim that he paid for sex and drugs. Reverend Ted Haggard, who stepped down as the head of the 30 million member National Evangelical Association on Thursday after allegations of, of gay sex, has confessed to some of the allegations. A, pa- a fellow pastor said in an email to church members, Haggard has, is a married father of five who has been called one of the most influential evangelical Christians in the nation. He denied allegations telling NBC affiliate of Denver late Wednesday, I've never had a gay relationship with anybody, I'm steady with my wife, I'm faithful to my wife, so I don't know what, the, so I don't know if this is election year politics or what it is. But, the accuser then told a different story, the, a day later. <laughs> His accuser, Denver, um, oh, I'm sorry, this is of the accuser. His accuser, Denver resident Mike Jones, claimed that Haggard paid him for sex about once a month for three years, as well as for methamphetamines. Meth amphetamines, meth, crystal meth. That's about as bad as it gets. That, I mean, that's that's a one of the most highly addictive drugs you could possibly get addicted to. Uh, methamphetamines are also known as crank on the street. You ever hear that word crank? That means methamphetamines. Crack is crack cocaine. Crank is methamphetamines. Jones provided to KUSA-TV what he said were voicemails from Haggard. The station had University of Colorado expert Richard Saunders compare them to his earlier interview of Haggard. And he said, quote, It certainly sounds like the same person, Sanders said, adding that he expected to have a final report later Friday. Jones said he also had an envelope he had, he said Haggard used to mail him cash. Um, one allegation to which Haggard did admit was to buying methamphetamines. Now, if you're buying methamphetamines, you are demon-possessed, probably. Because there's different drugs and they do different things. And there's some drugs that are a lot more aggressive than others. Well, methamphetamine's about off the scale. You know, I mean, it's... So, the more aggressive the drug, the more open that you are to these demonic entities coming in you. That's why people in the occult do drugs. Because they know that, number one... Let's say, for, for instance, a black magic Satanist guy, and they're getting ready to do a human sacrifice. Nobody in their right mind is going to want to do that. Even if you're a Satanist, it's tough to do for many people. But you get on the drugs, and the devils take over, and you open yourself up, and your inhibitions are down. It's a lot easier to do things. That's why people do stupid things when they get drunk, or when they're on drugs. It's 
that's why. So, um, this guy was on meth, and he's admitted it. So, pretty much anything goes. Uh, here's another news brief. This was on November 3rd. Uh, Reverend Ted Haggard admitted, this is from CBS News, admitted Friday he bought methamphetamine and received a message from a gay prostitute who claims he was he was paid for drug-fueled trysts by the former head of the National... Now, why in the world would he be buying meth off a, off a gay prostitute if there wasn't something going on? Well, I just chose the gay prostitute to buy meth off? How much more of a, of a worse thing could you do? I mean, you know, as far as if you're, if you're, if you're going to get caught for doing meth, that's one thing. But, you, you know, you'd think he'd at least buy it off somebody who wasn't a gay male prostitute. I mean, that's really setting yourself up for a fall. Remember Bill Clinton, when he denied ever smoking marijuana, he admitted smoking it, but he said he never inhaled, right? Few people will believe that Pastor Haggard received a message from this prostitute, but did not have sex with him. Most people still remember that term, massage parlor, is synonymous with prostitution. The revelations just keep on coming. Quote, Haggard 50 said he never had sex with Michael Jones, a 49-year-old Denver man who raised the allegations this week. Haggard said he received a message from Jones after being referred to him by a Denver hotel. Jones' accuser failed a polygraph test uh, Friday morning about the truth of his accusations. The test administrator, John Kresnick, said Jones showed results of deception. Kresnick added that he questioned the accuracy of the test because of the stress on Jones and his inability to eat sleep in the last day. Kresnick suggested that Jones take the test again after getting some rest. Jones claimed Haggard paid him to have sex nearly every month for three years. He, he said he advertised himself as an escort on the internet and was contacted by a man who called himself Art, who snorted methamphetamine before their sexual encounters to heighten his experience. Now that's why gay people do this stuff. Okay? Gay people do all, gay men particularly, do all kind of stuff prior to um, getting together to heighten this experience. And that also lets their ambitions down further. You've ever heard of these gay bathhouses? Well, that's what they do. They go basically from room to room like alley cats. So, um, this is something that they do, okay? So, it would line up with that pattern. And snorting methamphetamine. Now, if you snort something, you get it into your system the most maximally quickest way. Here's why. The reason they snort cocaine is because the nasal mucosa up in, up in your sinuses is very, 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 very highly absorptive. You put something up there, it will absorb right in your body right away. That's kind of like sublingual absorption, like if you hold something under your tongue. Like they'll give somebody a nitroglycerin pill, and they have them hold it under their tongue. Well, this is the same thing, except it's almost even more aggressive than that. So that's why they snort the stuff. Um, uh, Jones said he later saw the man on television, identified as Haggard, and that the last two had sex in August. He said he was, he has voicemail messages from Haggard as well as an envelope. He said Haggard used to mail him cash. He declined to make the voicemails available to AP, Associated Press. Parts of the voicemail were, bro were broadcast by local television stations. Pag Pastor Haggard then admitted to his church board that some of the allegations are true. The acting pastor of New Life, Ross Parley, not Rod Parley, Ross. Maybe he's a budding Rod Parley, Parsley. There's a Rod Parsley that has a gigantic church outside of Columbus, Ohio. I've, I've been by it. I, I drove by it. It's huge. And he's a hyper, hyper, hyper charismatic nutcase as far as I can tell you. Um, oh, did you? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's out of his mind, that guy. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, the active pastor of New Life, Ross Par- Par- Ross Parsley, told congregants that the church's four-member board of overseers has met with Haggard, quote, it's important for you to know that he has confessed to the overseers that some of the allegations against him are true. In the arena of public opinion, whenever an accused denies a story in its entirety first, and then admits some of the facts are true, people will instantly believe that all the facts of the allegations are true. In other words, the, the, the evidence against him must be so overwhelming, because these men are all liars, they're all hirelings, they don't have any real love for the flock, like the Bible says, they're all in for the money, and the power, and the prestige. You know, if he's admitting now that some of the allegations are true, and that yet at first he lied and said they were all, how can you believe anything the guy says? But he's admitting some of them are true. They must have so much evidence on him, that... He has no choice. Now, not only that, but if you go back to Fritz Springmeier's research, he conclusively proves that all these men at the very, very high levels of this so-called modern-day church are all put there by the Illuminati. By these... um, See, all religions of the world, including modern-day apostate Christianity, and I say apostate, I'm not including the people in this room, or or people that would necessarily... um, you know, I, I, I'm not here to judge everybody on the face of the planet. I just don't believe that if you're part of a 501c3 church, that that's of God. I just don't believe that. Does that mean somebody couldn't go into a 501c3 church and get saved? I'm not saying that. But a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That's the point here. So, if you're in a situation like that, and you're, and you're part of a denominational scheme at this point, and this is one of the things that appealed to me by, about independent fundamental Baptists, because they were independent, they were autonomous. They didn't have a governing church body over them like almost every other religion has. Um, but, most of them are 501c3 entities. Uh, but it's about the closest thing I was able to find and even that's pretty much been taken over at this point. Uh, when you have an overseeing governing body over any church, then again, if the head's sick, then the body's going to be sick. Let's look at the Catholic Church. It's the, probably the greatest example of that. We have the Vatican in Rome, which actually is registered as its own city in Rome, and basically, um, and most likely this is the city on seven hills that the Bible refers to in Revelation. So you've got this, and you know the head is sick there. I mean, it's just satanic. The Catholic religion is purely satanic. It's just Christianity repackaged in really witchcraft, is what it is. Well, the head's sick. Well, it's no wonder if the whole body's sick, okay? This man was over, basically, the president of a 30 million member organization. Now, show me that in the Bible. Show me, show me where Jesus does in the New Testament, where he goes through and he says, start your big organizations, get your 501c3 status, go under the government. Oh, then, but you'll have somebody come back and say, oh, well, the Bible says obey the law of the lands. If the law of the lands contradict the word of God, no. That's why there were so many martyrs. Because they weren't obeying exactly what the law of the land said you got to do. Think about that. They weren't. They were not obeying. I mean, if they were to go along with Rome, what Rome wanted them to do is cow down and worship Caesar, or whatever, or do it their way, they would not do that. Well, 
how do you explain that to somebody who's going to come to you and say, oh, well, well 501c3 churches and these types of things and these big uh, parent church organizations are of God. Well, the Bible says obey the law of the land. But then you look at all the martyrs. Well, what, what was up with them? Were they just in rebellion? I don't think so. So, see, their, their argument quickly falls apart under the, under the, the bright lights of scrutiny. And um, so that's why if you get into a debate with somebody about these things, you have to keep bringing it back to the foundational principles. Don't argue about little frilly stuff. Bring it back to the foundation. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And if anything a man is doing or a church organization is advocating is against the word of God, then don't do it. So... That's what these organizations are pretty much doing. And he was the head of one of them. Now, by discrediting Ted Haggard, now you've discredited this whole organization. You've exposed it. And in so many people's eyes, Christianity right now has become more and more demonized because, now, that's what they believe Christianity is. I mean, you turn on the TV, do you know what the media calls Christianity? Catholicism, Catholic Church. Because they're the mother of all churches. That's what they say they are. Um, time after time when I watch these documentaries, like on the History Channel and things like this, they will always refer to the Catholic Church as Christianity. Christianity. I'm thinking it has nothing to stinking do with Christianity. It's nothing. But that's how they refer to them. Um... Time and time again, you'll see it over and over again. So, now, what they're trying to get people to do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. Most people don't have a clue what Christianity is. They don't have a clue. Because no place can they go to even get Christianity. You go to any church in, in a given area, 501c3 church, guaranteed the church has been leavened to a certain extent. Some more than others, some more liberal than others, some more apostate than others. I'll give you that. Most of them have no comprehension. They're not reading the King James Bible. Therefore, they're going to get off in left field just if they did that alone. Even if they were unregistered. If they're sitting there every week reading an NIV, a corrupted word of God, then they're going to get off in left field eventually. It has to happen. But you've got so many more factors than that contributing to them getting off in left field. And I believe one of the foundational core issues is because they're under this parent church body, this governing body that has that has dominion over them. Show me that in the Bible. Okay. Um, Show me that in the New Testament anywhere. The churches were autonomous, local bodies of local believers that believed biblically, but they didn't have these big, sweeping, multi-layered organizations over them. Well, when you can discredit the very, very, very top, then everything below is pretty much discredited also. My dad had saw this and came to me about this. And he says, oh, look at, you know, and I, and I, what can I do but agree with him? I agree with him. And I told him, I said, Dad, I said, this is what I expose every week. This is not Christianity. Don't think this is Christianity because this has nothing to do with this. In fact, I would go venture so far as to say many of these men are Satanists. And I mean that. Never just that they are Satanists. They're put there by the people at the top. And you know what always happens? You, you ever hear about like the Masons, how they make you go through all these blood oaths? And, and we're going to talk about that today too. Why do they do all that stuff? Well, number one, the Bible says, above all, swear not. 
that we're not supposed to swear, to, we're not supposed to take these oaths, and all these oaths that they end up taking are allegiance to basically anything but God, to Jesus Christ, and you're, you're, you're continually, when you take these oaths, committing these um, abominations before the Lord. Many times you go into these secret societies and these organizations and in order to get to the top of any of these worldly organizations, you have to bear all. They know everything about you. And typically they will have all kind of information on you that they can blackmail you with. For instance, Skull and Bones Society. The society that our president is a member of. The Skull and Bones at Yale. It's no secret he is. His dad was, his dad was Prescott Bush. George Bush Sr., George Bush Jr., you had, and in the last election, you had two Skull and Bones members. Now, this is an organization that graduates, what is it, 15 or 20 every year, maybe? Okay, 15 or 20 every year, out of the whole population of the United States. It just so happens we've got two Skull and Bones members running for the president. Oh, wow, that seems to be kind of a coincidence. I wonder if the outcomes might be predetermined, because those Skull and Bones members, Skull and Bones would be like masonry on steroids, Okay? would be like, you know, it's even worse, okay? It's totally satanic. For the initiation, they make you lay in a coffin. Now, this is no secret, what I'm telling you now. I'm not making this up. But to be a member of the Skull and Bones, number one, you've got to be chosen. And the only way you're going to be chosen is if you're, if you're of the right lineage, bloodline, breeding, okay? Bush, Kerry, all of these guys that run for president are all of the right bloodline. That's the only reason they're there. Our election process is totally rigged at this point. Okay, It's been rigged for years and years and years, especially now that we've went to electronic balloting. They've got computer programs. The, 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 the people that own the companies that make the software are all in league with the presidents in them. Their families. It's like the fox guarding the hen house. Our votes don't mean anything in this country. It's a total lie. And I've heard so many pastors get up there and say, Well, bless God, if you don't vote, then don't. You just shut your mouth. And I, uh, President, you're, or Pastor, you're totally, totally ignorant of the facts. Your vote means nothing. Now, maybe some local elections, things of this nature. I'm not saying everything's rigged down to the local election, although it could be. And it's getting worse. But why do you think they've had such a push to get us off paper ballots? Because it's too much of a hassle for them. They don't want a paper ballot. I mean, granted, they could still rig the stuff if we got paper ballots, but it's a lot easier if you got a computer and, 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 the, and the voting comes in and their candidate they want to put in office uh, actually won by, you know, 10%. Well, all they got to do is skew the numbers a little bit and have the other guy just edge them out. How hard is that to do on a, on a program? I got so much documentation on what I just said, I could flood anybody with it. Okay? And this is a just doc, this is actual referenced material on these companies that actually have this software on the voting machines. There, there's a website you can go to. It's called votescam.com. Votescam.com. A guy named uh, uh, Collier started this. Now, for this, they killed him. He's dead. I've got his video when he was still alive and he made this. And his daughter's carried on his work. Uh, but there's a lot of... There, I mean, the one thing I will say about today's day and age is there's a lot of this truth that's really, really coming out. The problem is that so few people care. They just don't care. And they're so... Especially in America, they're just so apathetic. And... Um, so... I don't know how you make them care. I, I don't think they're going to care until it boots across their throat, which is ex expression I've heard a couple times. So when you can discredit a guy like Bush 
and these types of people let me just get back to what I was saying before with Bush this is one of the ways they control people when you get in the skull and bones you do this and you do this and then on your initiation night you have to lay in a coffin naked with a ribbon around your genitals and you have to confess every single possible thing you've ever done and there's a guy right there taking all of the information down Okay, now this is well known they, they do this if you research this a little bit now how much more vulnerable can you get than that? You know why they do that? Because it's a mockery of baptism. Because they lay him in the coffin and they bring him back up and it's, it's, like, the, it's like being baptized. You know, born in, or, or died in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, raised in the newness of life in Christ. It's their satanic version of baptism. It's their satanic version of salvation, really, is what it is. Now, when you have that that one night alone, you know how much they have on that person? They can go back and they can say, listen, you don't play our way. We know all this about you. You're, you're done. Most of them are all sodomites. Most of them are all homosexuals. These guys, these politicians. Um, why would that be? Why, why would it be that almost every one of them are, if the truth be known? Well, what better way to frame somebody? And the fact that if you're a, if you're a sodomite, what more way could you be demon possessed and control and potentially easily controlled than if you were a sodomite? Because that, to me, is the lowest form of depravity. Okay, when when you when a man seeks a man and burns in lust, his lust one toward another, I don't. It doesn't compute to me how it could get any worse than that. Now, yet, granted, you could get into doing stuff with little kids, things of this nature, but. I don't think it gets a whole lot worse than that. Well, when you have that dynamic going on, those people are very, very, very easy to control. I mean, if you've got that much evidence on somebody, but here's the deal. The carrot gets bigger as they go up the occult hierarchy, but the, the price to pay also gets larger. In other words, if you don't do what they say, then we're going to come out that, you know, you just, you did this. And I'm sure this is probably true. Okay, he's even admitted to some of the allegations. Pretty bad if he's admitting to it. Well, there's been a systematic plan to discredit Christianity. Oh, really starting with George Bush when he got in office. Everybody was fed up with Clinton and all this stuff. And then George Bush, oh, he's going to be the, the, the Christian savior, right? Give me a break. He's done way more satanic stuff than Clinton ever hoped to do. There's no chronicles of it. There's a website called BushRevealed.com. And, and David Bay has an excellent resource on his... Um, on his website called uh, The Fruits of President Bush. And it's all documented. It's, it's all stuff the guy really did. It's not making stuff up. It's not like tabloid stuff. Well, when you have enough of that that's taking place, Bush is absolutely making a, a total literal fool and idiot of himself. Every time he goes out, he can't even hardly speak anymore. His brain's so fried with drugs. I mean, you should see some of the clips I've got of him speaking. It's actually hilarious. If you just watch it on the surface, it's hilarious because... His brain is so fried from drugs or whatever he's doing that he can't even hardly articulate anymore. I mean, it's unbelievable. Whole film clips, clip after clip after clip after clip, you can watch them. Um, he's being discredited, but he's, it's all by design. Because what they're going to want to do is when the elections come in four days... Um, and this isn't presidential, but what this is going to have a lot to do is the majority whether it's it's most likely going to shift where now we're going to have more of a majority of Democrats in the House, in the Senate, and all this other stuff. So, 
the Democrats are all jumping up and down saying, see these bad Republicans, see what they've done. And this is, this is all by design. All of it's by design. And now we're going to get some real liberal people in there. And it's, we're all moving in the same direction. It's always moving in the same direction. It's just how aggressively are we going to go in that direction. So that's why the Republicans are being discredited. One of the reasons. Another reason is, is if, if they demonize the Christians enough and show us show the Christians as they term them Christians to be enough of hypocrites then when persecution comes it'll be very easy for the world to turn against us because they're going to think of Ted Haggard and all these other things that go on you know oh you stinking hypocrites we you know and it's going to be very easy for them in their own mind to justify their actions when the world comes after us okay now I know that's not fun what I just said, but I do believe that's that's what we're facing here. That's why this is happening, at least in part. Um, so going a little bit further with this, since these revelations became only public six days before the election, let us study to see how this might affect the Republican bar- Party in the midterm election. Um, this was a uh, this is from encyclopedia, it's on the internet, it's called Wikipedia, and um, I wonder if it's because it's wicked. Um, Haggard was key supporter of President Bush. Oh, imagine that. Haggard is a firm supporter of President George W. Bush, and they all are, every single one of them, every one of these guys. Dobbins, all the even, all we all, pro-Bush, the whole nine yards. They probably got a... Uh, Many of them, I've walked into many offices and they had, you know, the picture of Bush signed or whatever because they donated his campaign, this type of junk. Isn't it amazing how, how totally deceived the world is? I mean, I'm not saying that because I think I'm better. But it's just mind-boggling to me that these, that these, it's just almost universal at this point. All these men, they go, to, they go to the cemeteries, and they get all their, their big degrees and all this other stuff. I am so, I thank God I don't have any of that. Because they've been ruined. They've been brainwashed. Why is it that when you go to the cemeteries and you get brainwashed and, and you get all your big degrees, why is it that 99.99% of all those men are totally going along with this and they're still supporting Bush? What is that? Don't they, can't they think critically anymore? Can't they see the obvious? They're hirelings. They're hirelings. That's all I can say. The Bible says a hireling has no love for the flock. He doesn't really care about his flock. Um, Haggard is a form supporter of George W. Bush, often credited with rallying evangelicals behind Bush during the 2004 election. Author Jeff Charlotte reports that Haggard, quote, talks to Bush or his advisors every Monday. He talks to Bush, President Bush, every Monday, or his advisors. That's how close of a relationship he's got with President Bush. Well, he's the head of a 30 million member organization of evangelicals in this country. That's how high up this Haggard guy is. We're not talking about some local pastor that got caught having gay sex with somebody. We're talking about if you were really going to strike... an area of modern day apostate Christianity to discredit it, you probably couldn't have picked a better guy. I, I don't I don't think you could have done it. Um, okay. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. Hagger talks to Bush or his advisors every money and and says that no pastor this is a quote 
no pastor in America holds more sway over the political direction of evangelicalism. No pastor in America. Isn't it kind of funny? They're the one. They're, you know how many people they could do this to? Show that they're having gay sex right now. These guys at high levels that are pastors. They picked him though. It's just like the skull and bones. They've always got a laundry list of things on every person. Why? Because they're the ones that decide if you get there. Oh, well, well somebody would say, no, no, God decides that, brother. Oh, God, 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 the Bible says, God setteth one up and putteth another down. Okay? And it says, promotion cometh neither from the, from the east nor from the west or from the south, but God giveth, you know, the increase. These types of things. I'm not arguing those points, but in regard to those Bible verses, you have to look at, this is somebody that God put into office. The Bible says that Satan is the prince and the power of the air and the ruler of this modern day world. That does not mean Jesus Christ is still not on the throne, still not seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, still not in control. But, Satan does have a certain amount of dominion over what he's doing here, over the world. He did take Jesus up and offered him all these things of the world. If he would just bow down and worship him. Okay, so... Um, Satan in his kingdom does what he wants to do. God can do whatever he wants to do, and many times he uses Satan to do his bidding. Well, could this be the great falling away that's talked about in 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, verse 3? The falling away that comes? Could it be? I think it is. Is this the falling away that comes before the Antichrist is revealed? That wicked be revealed? Yeah, I, I sure do think it is. The Bible says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, 2 Timothy 3, 13. Um, we know these things are going to happen. We know they are. Okay? Now they're just coming out to light. Now, I'm, I'm glad when these men are exposed, but I also do believe that much of this is by design to discredit modern-day apostate Christianity. So this, this author reports that there's no pastor in America that has more sway over the political direction than this guy. They chose him. In June 2005, Wall Street Journal, Journal article said, Ted Haggard, the head of a 30 million strong National Association of, e of Evangelicals, jokes that the only disagreement between himself and the leader of the Western world is an automotive. Mr. Bush drives a Ford pickup, whereas he prefers a Chevy. That's how close they were. They are. Of course, Bush is going to have to distance himself now. But everybody's distancing themselves from Bush. See, there's a lot of people that, that don't even want to be... There's Republicans right now that are coming out with almost, not smear campaigns, but basically, I'm getting away from Bush. I don't even want to have him anything to do with my... with my Because he's discrediting everybody he's around. He's so stinking out of control right now, Bush. He's just... He's delusional. Yeah, you want it on tape? Question. So, we go a little further... And um, this Wikipedia then notes the theology of Ted Haggard, Pastor Ted Haggard. Theology. This is what this encyclopedia says. Haggard believes in the third wave of the Holy Spirit <laughs> and accepts the fivefold ministry. Beliefs often associated with the charismatic movement. He believes that there is one all knowing God and that humans were created to be with Him. 
He also believes in the biblical inerrancy and biblical literalism, whatever. He doesn't believe in that. He doesn't believe in biblical inerrancy. If he was, he'd be only using the King James Bible. And so he's a charismatic. He believes in this whole third wave. I would imagine that would also mean he believes in this whole dominionism theology, meaning that we're going to come... See, how could these, how could these big pastors pull so many people into their churches when really the future of Christianity, at least the short-term future, looks pretty grim. I'm sorry, it does. How could they be getting millions of members? If, because they're not going to want to hear a grim theology, are they? No. Because they're not giving them a grim theology. They're saying, oh no, no, we're going to bring in the kingdom. We're going to bring in the kingdom. It's all about me, me, me. And we're going to do it our way. And we're going to help Jesus out. And we're going to bring this stuff in. There's going to be no bad things going on here in the future. It's all going to be good. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to usher in the kingdom. And uh, we're going to have our thousand year reign. And, and we're the real chosen and all this other junk. So that's how they, they get away with this. And I really believe there's nothing that opens you up more to that than being in the charismatic movement. You want to get deceived? Get in the charismatic movement. You will get deceived. I mean, I was when I was in it. I totally was. I, and I admit it. And you can't help but be... It's like if you lay down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Okay? You lay down in that religion, you're going to get fleas. They're all 501c3 organizations, number one. None of them are hardly reading the right Bible. Well, God is not the author of confusion. Try to go to a uh, charismatic service. How's he going to read scripture? Well, the pastors read one version, everybody else got their own little pet version. Again... They're deciding. They're 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 basically saying, okay, ye shall be as gods. How are they doing that? They're questioning God's word. Well, when you question God's word, you're you're um, you're basically acting as though Satan did in the Garden of Eden. He says, yeah, if God said, he questioned God's word. It's exactly what you're doing. You may not be willingly like doing it in rebellion toward God, shaking your fist at Him. You might not even be aware of it. I wasn't aware of it when I was reading false versions, but I never had anybody tell me the truth. So, or up until a certain point, I hadn't had anybody tell me the truth. So, yeah, this is what Haggard believes. Uh, doesn't surprise me he's a charismatic, that's for sure. For weeks now, we've been talking about issues which have suddenly arisen that serve to discredit President Bush. Certainly, the story of Pastor Ted Haggard is gay and has been having relations with a gay prostitute for three years will serve to discredit the president greatly. Well, again, yeah, he's associated with this guy. Talks to him every Monday, basically. But come to think of it, this is the second Republican gay scandal in the last several weeks. Oh, that's true. Representative Foley of Florida had to resign his office because he was accused of being sexually suggestive to a number of young House page boys. Later, Representative Foley admitted that he was a gay man, but blamed the Roman Catholic priesthood for corrupting him when he was a young boy. I mean, you heard about this Foley character, you know. He's in Florida. Political polls since the Foley affair have shown that sexual scandals negatively impact evangelical Christian voters like no other issue. What more could you do to discredit all of modern-day puke apostate Christianity than have a whole bunch of gay male sex scandals of the pastors or of the leadership? What more could you do? I mean, and, and, and you know, now you've got, with Foley, you've got a man with an underage boy. Now, whether he actually had sex with any of those pages, I don't know. But he definitely propositioned them, evidently. 
Um, evangelical Christians refused to believe that President Bush lied through his teeth to gain public support for the invasion of Iraq, which he did. Christians refused to see the evil fruits. Now, this there's a there's a little link there, and that's that article I told you about on the fruits of President Bush. Christians refused to see the evil fruits with which President Bush has committed since being in office, and Christian voters seem peculiarly aff afflicted with the mental malady, my mind is made up, don't confuse me with the facts. Totally true. However, when confronted with a sexual scandal, Christian voters are especially sensitive. Um, therefore, his second gay scandal within a couple of weeks just before the election could give political pundits, the talking heads, all the reasons they would need to paint a reasonable story as to why Republicans lost control, oh, thank you, control of Congress in these upcoming elections. See, this is going to be the reason that the Republicans lost control of Congress. This is the reason all this is happening. Okay? Get ready. It's coming. Should Democrats take control of both the houses of Congress, President Bush might face impeachment charges. See, there's been a lot of talks of him being impeached because he's so stinking out of control. But the Republicans can't do it. That wouldn't look right. Okay? Um... And even might stand before the World Council as a private, uh, the World Court as a private citizen. I imagine for war crimes, because he's created, not him, his handlers above him have controlled him and manipulated him into a position where he's done a lot of atrocities. Okay, but they're the ones still pulling the strings. Satan's, and then Satan's above them. So if that occurs, the long drawn out process by which this scenario might work could be badly discredit genuine Christians like you and me so badly that we could be set up for a kind of persecution which the Bible foretells. How can Christians be Christians as a group be discredited if President Bush is thoroughly discredited? Well, throughout occult literature, the New World Order writers acknowledge that there's only two major enemies of of the New World Order. Number one, national sovereignty, which means I'm an American, I'm 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 a I don't want to say I'm proud of my country because I'm not, but the whole rah rah rah, sis boom ba, I'm American. Um, let's go get them. Let's win one for the Gipper. The whole nine yards, you know, you know, pride in your country type of thing. So I got a little crazy there. Um, and then, and then, so throughout a cult literature, New World Order writers acknowledge only two major enemies: national sovereignty. Okay, I'm an American, and fundamental Christianity. Those are the two main enemies. See, now if you have a country that really believes, it, that's, that's proud of their heritage or whatever, and they're united, that is not something the New World Order wants. Why? Because they want a one world government with no, with no borders. You don't want that. That's why they're deluding our country with all these stinking illegal aliens they're letting come in that are deluding the country, taking away our national sovereignty. My word, you can't go anywhere where I live in southwest Florida right now. It's Mexicans everywhere. They're taking over all the jobs. You know why? Because if you go into a store, if you don't, if you're not bilingual, how are you going to check them, all the Mexicans out? How are you going to do it? You can't. Well, you got to almost be bilingual. No, no, they don't have to learn our language. No, no, no. We have to learn theirs. Go to a bank. Every single one of the tellers are all illegal aliens now. Well, I'm not saying they're all legal aliens, but they're all Mexicans or whatever. And I'm sorry if I sound prejudiced. You know, I'm not a white supremacist or anything. I don't think I'm better. It's just that it's disgusting to me what our government has created in this country. And it's all by design. Every bit of it. I mean, every bank you go in now, every single one of those tellers are all bilingual, essentially. Very rare. There's one up here at uh, Bank of America. I go in there to cash checks sometimes. Every single one of those girls are all Mexicans. 
it's like you know, there's, there's, there was an expression, that, there was a bumper sticker for a while that people in Miami had that said, the last one to leave Miami, bring the American flag. In other words, the last American to leave Miami, please bring the American flag because it's being totally taken over. Well, they could say that just about, about Fort Myers because they're poured over here because the cost of living over here is a lot less than it is in Miami. That's one of the reasons I really went out of this place. Um, but national sovereignty, they're trying to break that down through so many different ways. And then fundamental Christianity, which is almost non-existent. President Bush is tightly tied into both these major enemies to the plain global system. Let us quickly explain. National sovereignty. When President Bush ordered American troops to invade Iraq on March 20th, 2003, he was exercising his authority as a national sovereign. He was also repudiating publicly at least, the collective will of the international community as represented by the United Nations. Fundamental Christianity. From the beginning of his campaign, President Bush claimed to be a Christian. Based on his personal testimony alone, many evangelical Christians believe he was a Christian. His fruit is contrary, not, notwithstanding. We have written many articles on the subject, too many to be listed here. Search President Bush's evil versus good fruits. This is one of those articles I told you about. In early 2001, Cutting Edge posted an article noting that President Bush seemed to be the de facto leader of the Christian right, which is really what he is. President Bush really is the de facto leader of the Christian, Republican, right-wings America. I mean, he really is. He's like over everybody right now. And if the head is sick, then the whole body is going to be sick. That's why. It's another reason you don't want to be a part of a 501c3. He's really the head of everything. Um, because all the leaders of modern day Christianity and all these apostate religions are all pledging subservience to Caesar. Which is, which is Mr. Bush here. So if they're pledging, then they're under him and you're under them. And you're telling me you're not going to get corrupted if you're in one of these churches? Well, I, but I know this, Brother Johnson. I, I, I know how to. I, I know what you're telling me. I do the research. I don't care if you know it. You know what happens when you walk into one of those churches, when you become one of their members? It's a spiritual dynamic that's taking place that you're not seeing. You don't go into these places and, and see the devils that are influencing you because you're there. You don't see them. And they don't want you to be. They don't want to be seen. But it's happening, and it may be subtle, and it may not be overnight. But it will happen. I know that since I've come out of the church that we we all came out of, even though you know he this pastor expressed whatever that he wanted to come out of the system. I don't believe he ever will. But I know since I've been out of that, I look at where I was at now, and I can't believe I didn't do this years and years earlier. Why is that? Well, because. Because I hadn't come out of it yet. Because I was still under a certain amount of demonic influence being in one of these churches. I wish I would have done this a long time ago, to be quite quite frank. Had I known what I know now, I would have never even gotten involved in modern day Christianity or church. But God took me through it, and took us through it here in this room, so we could see and, and be able to look back and compare and say, yeah... Yeah, it, it is that way. It, it, it's We've definitely lived it. We've been through it. Um, but I praise God for, for being out of it. So it says, um, 
considering the level of enthusiastic support of evangelicals of given Bush, it's not too surprising that the outside world considers him and his war to be Christian, along the lines of the bloody crusades. See, they're all, they're, they're, everybody from all the world is looking at this war in Iraq as a Christian war. Now, we're making a lot of enemies over this, okay? So, it's, it's easy for them to demonize all of Christianity because they're associated with President Bush. See where I'm going with this? Many Muslims consider that the Muslim Iraq was invaded by a Christian crusader army. As we detailed in our articles and newsletters, Muslims see our torture and sexual degradation crimes in Iraq, and there's a lot of them. In Afghanistan, military prisons is just the latest example of the moral degradation they have always attributed to Christian nations. So this is just feeding the Muslims fire. If Bush takes down evangelical Christian in the eyes of the world, which is what he's been programmed to do, the brush will most definitely be wide enough to color fundamental Christianity as also evil. If President Bush is thoroughly and completely discredited, he will take down with him the two major evils which the Illuminati has always struggled with, now they, they term as evil, but he'll take down the two major evils which the Illuminati has always struggled and which will have impeded the progress of the New World Order the most, which is national sovereignty and fundamental Christianity. That's what the Illuminati is wanting. That's the last thing standing in the way of the New World Order. And it's in America, because that really doesn't exist any other place. I mean, yes, you might have a nation like Brazil that has a lot of national sovereignty, but there's no Christian base, so they're going to be easy to take down. Um, so Christians then may be set up for persecution by the next president. Probably Hillary Clinton. I'll be honest with you, at this point, I'll be, I mean, the Bible says, He that seeks to save his life shall lose, and he that seeks to lose his life for my sake shall find it unto life eternal. That's what Jesus said. But the Bible also says, The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, and the simple pass on and are punished. Now, there's a balance in Scripture, okay? Um, would it have been a sin for the Jews in Nazi Germany to flee before the concentration, the death camps got there? I don't think so. I mean, it's reasonable. They foresaw the evil. Now, if God was telling them, no, stay there. Now, granted, that was a little different example because you're dealing with a Jew, a non-believing Jew. You're, you're, you're believing with people that are bound for hell, for the most part. Because blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. And we talked about that last week. But, as a Christian in this country, I see and foreseeing more evil coming to this country than probably anything that the world has ever known. I really believe what I just said. I really do believe it. And why would God show the true Christians all this evil that is coming and just leave us to be decimated by it? I don't, I mean, it just doesn't add up to me why that would be the case. Taylor, put your leg down. Um... If God opens the doors, I think there's going to be an exodus out of this country of true Christians. I'm not saying every one of them. I'm not saying he couldn't hide some here. I'm not saying maybe he hasn't appointed them to martyrdom. Okay, there's, there's, I don't know. God's ways are not my ways. But I'll be honest with you. If I, if I had the means to do it, I would be out of here. I'm, I'm out of here, this country. That's the, it, it, it's, 
I'm not saying that you should run and you should be motivated totally out of fear. I'm talking about being reasonable. I'm talking about, I see God's judgment coming down on this place. He pulled Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah, right before it rained down fire and brimstone. He viewed Lot as a righteous man. Bible even says it. I don't see how he could view him that way. Because of, you know, whatever. For a lot of different reasons. But God said, the just Lot. It, said, it refers to him as just Lot. He pulled him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, right, right before it rained down fire and brimstone. If God opens the door, don't try to shut, is all I'm saying. If God opens the door for you to get out of this place, don't try to shut it. Let God open the doors no man can shut, and shut the doors no man can open. Okay? All I'm saying is, is that if that comes up, I, if I was you, I wouldn't try to fight it. Because I really believe our world, if we are chose to live here in the next <laughs> year, six months, two years, I don't know how much time we've got. But it cannot be more than... I can't see it being more than three or four or two. I, as bad as things that are getting, knowing that Bush is going to be out of office, knowing they're discrediting the whole Christian right. See, you don't see all the emails I see every week. You don't see a lot of the legislation that's being railroaded through it. Now, I got, I got an email the other day stating that they're going to try through this Homeland Security provision as of January to make it so that you cannot leave, basically, the United States without almost like special permission. I mean, you, in other words, if you try to get out of the country without special permission or, or without their say-so, you can't do it. Now, I'm not saying that's 100% going to happen, but what they're doing is, is they've created all this junk with the illegal aliens where they've let them pour over the borders... And they haven't put anybody on the borders to seal it because it's all by design. And they've created this gigantic problems with all the illegal aliens, which has accomplished many things for them. Now they're going to give us the solution. You know, we're, we're going to finally start clamping down on these illegal aliens and we're really going to have to seal the borders up tight. And that includes all you Americans too. It's all by design. I knew this was coming. That's why, I'm, that's why I've been reluctant to support legislation to secure our borders because I know what they're going to do with the legislation. It's a double-edged sword. You can't win. The only thing you can really do is pray about it. And ultimately, prayer is really the only answer to this. I don't know. We might all be appointed to martyrdom. I don't know. I have no idea. But, worst case scenario... It's something that I've tried to always mentally prepare myself for. Of course, I don't know how you can really mentally prepare yourself for that, but um, through prayer, through reading the Word, through staying close to the Lord, that's the only way I can see it's, it's going to happen. But I also don't believe that God's just going to let His remnant in America just all be killed. I just don't believe that. That would not be, that would not um, line up with the Word of God. He always preserves a remnant. Always. Okay? That doesn't mean that the remnant's not always spared martyrdom either. But I'm telling you right now, knowing what I know, knowing that, the, that this is Sodom and Gomorrah, I went out. I really do. Um, it's, it's, it's a no-win situation anymore. Yes, prayer is, is definitely something you need to continually, continually do. But... Even even my emails lately, I'm not I'm not sending out as many emails anymore. Too much. There's just 
There's just too much apathy. I get up on, I get up and I do these ra- these radio interviews on Free Market News Network about all this corrupt stuff. And I'm telling you, this is going out. I don't know how many. They're getting 12 million hits a month. They're, this this um, company that I'm working with, they're getting 12 million uh, unique, I believe, unique visitors a month. I'm reaching a lot of people with these these interviews. God's put me in that position, but. I don't know. I mean, I, part of me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm even getting to a point where I'm almost like thinking, you know, I've done what I can do, God. And they're not listening. And why am I going to sit here and keep banging my head against a wall when nobody's, when there's very, very few people that are listening? Now, I'm not saying I'm giving up or whatever, but I'm of the contention that I would, I would rather be someplace if I'm going to live my life where I can do the most good. And when you live in a society where people don't listen and they don't care, you get to a point, it's like, I'm just throwing my pearls to the swine constantly. Throwing my pearls to the swine. The Bible says not to cast your pearls before swine. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in this room. And I'm not necessarily referring to anybody that would be listening to this, to this broadcast. I'm talking about in general. I know what's coming. It's obvious what's coming. Biblically, we know what's coming. Okay? So, for what it's worth, that's where my mindset is right now. We were just talking about... Oh, hold on. We were talking about, okay, where do we go? Because there's a lot of com- countries right now that are worse than ours. Rule out Europe. Everything in Europe. Anything over there is already antichrist. They're already under... A, one world currency called the euro. Their, their borders are all come down. No, no, no. Uh, quite honestly, there's very, very few places you could go on Earth right now that would be better, okay, than what we've what we've got here. What, what I'm saying is there's going to be something coming here that is unlike what's what's because see they've already got those countries. They're not going to have to have some gigantic holocaust in those countries because many of these countries, nobody's a Christian anyway. You go to Sweden. 0.1% or whatever of the people are probably a true born-again Christian, maybe. They've already got them. This country is a little different from that dynamic. Granted, there's probably not very many people saved, but there are a lot of people that call themselves Christians. And it's the majority of the country you don't really have that dynamic taking place almost any place on earth. Okay? Um, the New World Order has a vendetta against this country. Because of our national sovereignty, because this country many, in, in, in some ways was formed on Christian principles. I know there was also a lot of bad that was at that very beginning also. Wherever Christianity shows up or Christ shows up, the devil's always going to rear his head too. Okay? But, we have had things transpire in this country that no other country in the history of the world has happened. And as a result of that, this country has been more blessed than probably any other country in the face of the planet. We've also sent out more missionaries than any other country. As a result of what's taken place in this country, there's probably been more people saved than any other country that's ever been known in existence. The devil remembers that. The devil has a vendetta. He's, he's full of vengeance. Okay? He would want to take America out just for the spite of it all. For all the trouble that this country's caused him. Where to go? I, I can't say 100% I know. I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't devoted a ton of time to it. 
I would rather, to be honest with you, yes, I think it's good to do some research. But I also think that it would have to be something where God totally showed you, obviously, He wanted you there. It would be a matter of Him wanting you there. Not me wanting to really save my own hide. It would a matter of be, has God opened this door? Is it obvious that I'm supposed to be in this place? Okay? Um, and obviously you'd have to have the money to do it. You know? So... I don't know. I don't know where where the Lord will will lead us. I'm not saying this is something that I'm planning out to do tomorrow. But I am looking at America like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm waiting for for the brimstone to start raining down. And I'm not saying he can't preserve the remnant out of that. Um, But there's just been, for so many reasons, I'm just so fed up with this country. Um... That, that this this is pretty much the conclusion that I've come to. The, the leaven, the Bible says a little leaven, leaven at the whole number. Well, this country is, is so close to being fully leavened at this point. And I'm really seeing it being set up for a fall. This is a new track by Jack Trick, by Jack Chick. And I'm just going to go through a couple things here on this track, because there's some good points, and it's another track for Masons. And um, it uh, these two guys, they're talking to each other, and uh, before I go any further, does anybody have any more questions about that? We're talking, we're having a conversation about this whole thing about leaving the country, staying, these types of things. What's God's will? What's not God's will? There's a time of harvest and there's a time of gleaning with everything. There's certain countries right now where a lot of people actually are really getting converted and saved. India, I think, being the most obvious that I've seen. Okay, they're more, they're in more of a time of harvest there. Our harvest in America's past. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. <laughs> We're not going to have a harvest like from the 1800s and, and these types of things in the 1700s. The harvest is passed, and then what, what, what happens after the harvest passed? Well, then you're in the time of gleaning, where, where you're going to get one or two, and I think that the gleaning um, is just about passed also. I don't, I don't see a lot of people, unless something really radical ch- changes in America, getting saved. There's too much world, it's too apostate, people are too demonically taken over, now, I may be wrong. I hope I am. But I, 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 I'm trying to be realistic. I'm trying to look at, okay, what direction is the church going in? What is obvious before my eyes? And it's going downhill. Now, is that an indicator that there's going to be a great revival coming in America? Or is it, a, or is it an indicator of the opposite? Now, I'm trying to just be logical here, and, and, I'm, and I don't want to play God either. Partly... I had, I had said to the, to the group here, partly my motivation to be leaving, a big part of my motivation is wanting to escape the hypocrisy that I see everywhere I turn. Now, if that doesn't line up with the Word of God, if that's not what God's will is, then let the Lord's will be done. But, since we are the remnant, and there's very few of the remnant left, I do believe that God is going to take and use a certain part of that remnant most likely in other parts of the world where it isn't like it is in America. Not to say it's going to be a bed of roses wherever he might take you. This is the whole thing of being a missionary. This is the whole premise behind being a missionary. We may, I, I don't know if, if, if any of us would be forced out into that field. 
Um, I know that when persecution came in the Bible, that's when people split up and went to other parts. That also may be how God accomplishes this will. But I know something. He cannot use an apostate Christian that doesn't have anyone really real desire or need to serve him. He can't use them. So who's he going to use? He's got to use somebody. He always uses people. He's not just going to send an angel down and have the angels do all the work. So, we are in a very special position in many ways. Even the people in this room, hopefully the people listening to this audio recording. We are in a very special position because we can be used of the Lord. There's many things that we can do to discount us from being used from the Lord. And so much of that, 99.9% of people right now in America are in that position where they cannot be used. They're in an apostate church, they're reading the wrong Bible, they're living like the devil. How can really God use them? Does that mean that we should get think we're better? No, it doesn't mean that at all. I say this with all fear and trepidation. What I'm telling you is 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 um, not something that you know I'm bragging about or whatever. And I don't know what the Lord's going to do. I don't. But I do see what's coming. That is one thing I do see. What is coming. And what has to happen, obviously. Financial collapse in this country. Persecution. Probably food supply being cut off, water supply, these types of things. It's a matter of time. Um, I'm just saying, keep an open mind in regard to the Lord, in regard to His will. And whatever you feel led to do, make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Let His will be done and not on. See, I think that's, that's important. In your prayers, that's what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, if you always come back to that, then you can be safe. We can have this conversation all day long, but if we always come back to... Now, let's say we had this conversation about where would we go and, and, and what's our motivation and, and, and are we fleeing because we're fearing. We can have that conversation and if we take the Bible out of it and if we take let thy will be done and not my own out of it, then that is bad. That's a bad thing we're discussing because we're leaving God out of the equation. It's like Jesus is back in the in the corner over here and we're having this own conversation amongst ourselves. That's wrong. But if we do this with such a with such a thing in our minds as let thy will be done and not my own in regard to everything that we're talking about, then I think it's safe we can have a discussion about this. You know, we can have a discussion um, and just bring these things up and see, you know, see what happens. See what, what doors the Lord may open or what doors He may shut. Uh, I think we can be very safe in doing that. Sticking with that. That's always the overriding, and that was the overriding thing when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. After all that prayer, He even said, He says, if it were possible, let this cup pass from me. He said that to the Father. Even Jesus said that. He said, but then nevertheless not my will but thine be done. You're always safe if you truly mean that when you pray that at the end of something. I think you're safe. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. So I guess we'll just we'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, what's that? Um, do you want me to go into that real quick? Okay. Um, this is just um, a thing I got from Chick Track. It's a, a brand new track he just came out. It's called The Unwelcome Guest. And it's good. Um, 
I'm just going to kind of briefly go over this so I can get into Romans some. It's these two guys that are going down the road and he says, you know, this one guy says, Frank, how do you do it? You got, you bought that lumber at 40% off. And Frank starts to tell him, um, I'm in this club and you got to be this special kind of guy to get in it. And, and, you know, you play your cards right, maybe I can get you in, these types of things. Um... And they, they get into this conversation, and this, this, he's a mason. He says, you believe in God, right? Well, of course, I attend a church. I'm even a deacon. Well, isn't that funny? Because the, the, the church that we came out of, and, and so many Southern Baptists in particular, were deacons at Baptist churches and pastors that are masons. And the Bible says, no man can serve two masters. But we're going to see what master they serve. Um, he says, well, because you believe in God and, and you're a deacon at church, you just might be the right guy to fit in. See, that's who the devil wants to get. He wants to get the people in the churches. Because then they're hypocrites and everybody looks at them and knows they're hypocrites. And it's so easy for people to look at the church and throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, so he, he talks to this guy more. He says about getting into this special club that he's in. Um, then he goes on, this guy, this mason goes on to say, we are a group of good moral people, don't let us down, he says to this guy. Don't worry, I'll go along with this like my life depended on it. Um, so then he says, this is your night, they are waiting for us, inside Larry takes an oath. They go into the Masonic building. During the ceremony, something sinister takes place. Then, one year later, it flashes forward. He says, Pastor, this is Lois. I don't know how to say this, but my marriage to Larry is falling apart. Now, this is the guy that became a mason a year earlier. This is her husband. Or, his, his wife, I'm sorry. Larry has changed. He's ignoring us. He's more interested in the lodge than in the church. The following week, um, the pastor goes up to him and says to this guy, Why are you wearing that ring? That's a Masonic ring. And this guy says, I'm a lodge member, Pastor Hunt. As your pastor, Larry, I'm telling you, you've been sucked into the occult. He says, but it's a, bunch of, it's a bunch of great guys. You think they are, but... And then the pastor says, you think they are, but you're in, over, you're in over your head. There's something very wrong. He says, your eyes show darkness. You're trapped like a fly in honey. And he says, what are you talking about, pastor? He says, you're unwelcome guest. Now, this is something a lot of Christians don't talk about, but I, I firmly believe what this track gets into. And then he says, think back to the initiation that you took, Larry. And then they go into the initiation of what a mason does. And, it, and this is the first degree of, of, a, of a mason. Okay, because there's, 30, there's 32 degrees in the, in the Scottish, no, in the York, right? And there's 33 degrees in the Scottish. There's two legs of Freemasonry. And then there's also the, the leg of the mystic shrine. Those are the Shriners. Okay. The guy says to them, they, they, they bring him in blindfolded into this room. And he says, who comes here? And the guy says, Larry Burke. Who has, who has been in darkness and now seeks to be brought to the light? So see, this is what the Masons say. This is part of these oaths that they say to them. Okay. And so this guy says, who has long been in darkness and now seeks to be brought to light? So they're saying that the Masons have the light. Hmm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No... Oh, okay, this is John 8, 12. I'm sorry. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And that's what Jesus said. 
And um, so at that point when he took this blood oath, he denied Jesus before men. Which according to Matthew 10, 32 and 33, you can't do that. You can't, do, you can't deny Jesus before men. Um, and then the pastor goes on to tell him, you harden your heart against God when he took that oath. It goes on, it shows him here, it says, I swear under no penalty less than my throat cut across. Now they take all these blood oaths, like, I swear that my throat being cut across. One one version, you know, they have their, their, their gut exposed, their entrails exposed to the birds, and all these, and then one, they cut off their brain, cut off the top of their skull and have their brains exposed to the fowl of the earth. All these blood oaths that they take, and it's a different one at every level. Well, guess what? It's a different devil going into you at every level, too. You're being demonically, you're inviting devils to possess you, such as what you're doing at every single oath. Um, now that oath, the the fact where oaths are forbidden is in Matthew 5, 34-37. The pastor goes on to say to him, at that point, Larry, the God of masonry entered your body. Um, and then this guy gets real mad at the pastor. Uh, he says, no, don't. No, I'm fine. Stay away from me. I don't need your help. And, um, in other words, the devils that are inside this man are starting to fire up. They're, they're basically, they don't want to hear this stuff. Um, he says, I, do you want my help? The pastor says, I do, but I really like my life. Well, they like the world. They like the life they get. They can get stuff real cheap. You can, you, go, you can go into a court and win a court battle real easily if you're a Mason and the judge is a Mason. All you got to do is stand a certain way. If you stand like this, that means you're a third degree Mason before a judge. He's a Mason. He's bound by his Masonic oath to basically grant you um, the win. doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. Their oaths go much higher than anything to God, country, man, woman, wife, child. They supersede everything, these oaths they take. Um, so he says, I really like my life. He says, get real, Larry. Your life's a mess. You ignore your kids. They're growing up without you. You Spiritually, you're a disaster. You're not ser you are serving the God of masonry, not of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in deep trouble. That evil thing inside you has you in its grip. And that's the exact case. He says, let's pray. He says, I can say I can say it now. I believe that Jesus is the God come in the flesh. And they go through these prayers. Um, and then they show, they're, they're showing spiritually what's taking place is this, is this uh, devil's coming out of this guy. Um, now, Baphomet is the God of Freemasonry. And they show this Baphomet-like creature coming out of him. Um... Baphomet says, you must worship me, your family, your church, your country, you are mine. And um, they pray this prayer and this thing leaves this guy. He says, Larry, let's go to my house, there's something I must, I must show you. And so they go to this pastor's house, he says, this is the God of Freemasonry, see for yourself. And it's Baphomet, and it's, it's this horned god uh, that has a pentagram, he's got wings, it's, a, it's an androgynous god, it has female breasts, and both male and female genitalia, they don't show all that here. But it's it, many of these gods that these people worship are both male and female. It's an abomination in the sight of God is what it is. And the Fomet is also referred to as the goat of Mendez. He has a, he has a head of, of, of like a goat. He's got big horns. And um, 
what it is is Baphomet is basically Baal. You've heard of Baal worship in the Bible. Okay, well that's what that's what the god of the Masons are. Um, and then they said, well, they never told me. The Masons never told me. Well, they ne- well, you'll never find this out unless you're at least 32nd degree Mason or 30th, at least 30th. But at that point, you've got, you're so demonically possessed that you don't really care anymore. You know, it's like being in a mob. You get in so deep, you can't get out. Um, it, the pastor goes on to say, of course not. Did you know that one of their leaders taught that Satan is the god of masonry? He says, who are you? You're kidding, who? He says, Albert Pike, the grand commander, sovereign pontiff of the Universal Freemasonry. Now, Albert Pike was a Confederate war general. Um, this is a picture of him. He, uh, he's wearing a symbol here of the symbol of Baphomet around his neck, which is kind of like a... Uh, you see that cross? That's the symbol of Baphomet. Every, you can pass that around. And that's a picture of Albert Pike, too. Albert Pike was almost like the forerunner to Aleister Crowley in some ways. He was the highest ranking Freemason of the 1800s. He was a Confederate war general. He is the only Confederate war general that has a statue, a large statue of himself, erected in the, in the city limits of Washington, D.C. You'd have to wonder, why in the world would they, they, would they erect a gigantic statue of a Confederate war general, Confederate, in Washington, D.C.? Why is that? Because he was one of them. He was on their side. Now, in the book, um, in his, uh, this is a quote from his book, he said on July 14, 1889, he said, that which we must say to the crowd is, we worship a God, but it is the God that one adores without superstition. In other words, what they say to the world, the Masons say to the world, is we worship God. It's the, it's the one all you Christians worship, and it's that God. But then he says, to you, Albert Pike speaking to these Sovereign Grand Inspector General we say this that you may repeat it to the second, 32nd, 31st and 30th degrees now in other words to a 33rd degree Mason the Sovereign Grand Inspector General we say this to you that you may repeat it to, to the 32nd the 31st and the 30th degrees that the Masonic religion should be and by all of us initiates of high degrees maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine Luciferian but who's he going to say it to? He's only going to say it to the, to the highest levels who are already in real deep. And I don't even think they do that very much anymore. If Lucifer were not God, would Adonai, Adonai being Christ, Adonai, Jesus, okay? If Lucifer were not God, would Adonai, Jesus, calculate? Now what the calculate means, which, would, which means spread false and harmful statements about him. Meaning that, that Jesus was the one saying all kind of bad things about Lucifer. But Lucifer is really the good God. That's the one they worship. That's their religion. And then he goes on to end this quote by saying, yes, Lucifer is God. End of quote. That's what this guy said. Okay? So, the symbol that you saw is the symbol of Baphomet. was worn by Aleister Crowley, who was last century's most notorious Satanist. Um, and then it shows the guy, Sovereign Grand Commander Henry Clausen, 33rd degree Mason, he's wearing a little, it's not a beanie, it's some kind of weird looking hat, with the symbol of Baphomet right in the hat. Look whose sign is on the hat. So, 
And then it says masonry is a dark spiritual force blending all ungodly religions. It shows this, uh, the, the whole, Holy Royal Arch Room of Freemasons in Dublin. And it shows two sphinxes, two Egyptian sphinxes in this room. It's got every kind of hodgepodge of religion blended into one. It's, it is going to, really, what Freemasonry is, is going to be like the one world religion, really. It's, 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 it's basically, it's like we've went back to Babylon and we've, we've, Taken in all the religions. See, if you think about it, all the religions were one in Babylon. And what did God do? At the Tower of Babel, He split everybody up and they all had different languages. Well, they took their own truths of their own pagan religions into their own religion. But where did it all come from? Where did it all originate from? It all originated originally in Babylon. That's where all this stuff started. So, uh, it's, it's coming back though now to that point. The Masonic Lodge is controlled by Satan. Look at the centerpiece of the main temple in the Masonic Room of the Mother Supreme Council of the World uh, Church in Washington, D.C. And it's kind of hard to see it here, but yes, it's one of those same Baphomet crosses. It's right over the main altar, those Baphomet crosses. Um, Masonry is worldwide, and its members includes popes, presidents, kings, all expecting to go to that big lodge in the sky. That's what they believe. It's the big lodge in the sky. And what they also believe is when they stand before God, because they have that lambskin Masonic apron, they believe that will be their atonement to get them into heaven. The blood of the Lamb. It's a mockery of Christ is what it is. But it's there what they believe is going to get them into the celestial lodge in the sky. Millions of churchgoers admit that they are masons. Pastors and deacons are so proud of their damnable lodges bringing evil spirits into our churches. What communion hath light with darkness? Islam and Christianity have nothing in common, and yet, there is no God but Allah. Many have placed their hands on the Quran, sworn a Muslim oath, and have prayed to Allah, calling that devil the God of the universe, which is what you do in the mystic order of the shrine, the shriners. They take their oath in a Quran. Did you know that? It's not a Bible anymore. When you first go into the Masons, it is a Bible. It's a Masonic King James Bible, I believe. However, that works. And But if you go into the shrine, you switch it. It goes to a Quran. You take your oath. That's why they have all the Arabic stuff in the shrine. The big swords and the centaurs, those are called centaurs, and those stupid hats they wear called fezes. And that's a whole other discussion. But um, anyway, it's, it's a good track. Um, it says, it ends, it says, many masons will find out too late that the big lodge in the sky is located in the pit of hell. So, um, anyway, we'll go to Romans uh, 12. I believe that's where I stopped last week. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Um, now, the Bible just said this is your reasonable service, as your body is a living sacrifice. Um, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may be able to prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. See, there's three... I think there's really four. Because this is, this, is, this is talking about three of the positive wills of God. I think there's also a... 
good, acceptable, and perfect implies something that's of a positive nature. It's, it's okay. So, good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay. And there's also a permissive will of God, I believe. Because if that wasn't the case, then everything would be good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I, but I also think that there's a lot of things Christians do, like, for instance, what I had talked about, me getting my motivations to get into that house. I don't think that was good, acceptable, or perfect will of God. I think that that was a um, uh, permissive. He permitted me to do it, but there was going to be a price to pay. So I believe there's really four wills of God. Okay, Because you couldn't group anything that I did in good, acceptable, or perfect. Yes, God can use things. What the devil intended for evil, the Bible says God can use for good. And all things work together for good, that them that know the Lord, and to them that are called according to His purpose. That's true. But, that doesn't mean that every decision we make as a Christian is going to please God. So, it says, and be not conformed to this world. Now that's, you know, that's pretty tough to do in today's day and age. Because the world is just pressing in us at all sides, especially in America. But it says, then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the Bible talks about renewing of your mind through the washing of the water of the word. That's the primary way you have to renew your mind. Okay? Um, so that's why it's important to, to you know, stay in the scriptures. Now, because you've transformed your, your mind through the washing of the water of the word, then ye may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, if you're not doing that, or you're not doing it properly, or you're under deception... Most likely, you're not going to you're not going to prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Okay, so be not conformed to this world, which is pretty understandable, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's primarily done through the washing of the water of the Word. Okay, what's the purpose? What's the fruit? Well, the fruit is the purpose of all that of not being conformed to the world and being transformed by the renewing of your mind is that ye may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So if you want to know what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is, you can't be conformed to this world, and you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the washing in the water of the Word. So if you're trying to seek God's will, this is a, this is a template for that. This is kind of like a blueprint. I'm not saying it's the only thing that that you can look at in Scripture, but obviously it's very important. So that's something to look at there. Um, For I say through the... Now, how could you supercharge that process? How could you, if you're you're seeking God's will on something, how could you supercharge it? Okay, I'm I'm not conformed to this world, and I have been transformed by the renewing of your mind. You could read Scripture more, you could pray more. Uh, what's another thing you could do? Well, that's going to supercharge that is fasting. That's another thing you could do to supercharge this process. Okay, I'm always looking for, okay, how can we do this better? Is there any way we could speed this process up? Okay? Um, from a spiritual, biblical standpoint. Not taking shortcuts, but doing it biblically. And then he goes on to verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think. Oh, praise God for that. Amen. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt every man the measure of faith. See, he gives every person a measure of faith. It's Jesus Christ's faith, even, that he gives you. 
um, this was ultimately the faith that initially how you got saved. You had to have this faith that Jesus Christ imparts to you at the time of salvation in order to actually really accept Him as Lord and Savior and to really get saved. Um, but it's a measure of faith, like a measure of wheat. He gives to everybody a measure of faith. Now, He gives to some more than others. That's why the Bible talks about how people have different and various talents. He gave to one one talent, and to the other two, and the other five, I think is the way it worked. So that can apply for faith. It can also apply for maybe a gift of understanding, or knowledge, or whatever. Okay? Um, for, as, for as we have many members in one body, now this is the body of Christ, and all members have not the same office. Now this is why I don't like it when pastors will get up there and say, well, bless God, if you're not out there door knocking every single day, then you're not... Whoa, it says right here, it says, and all members have not the same office. Do you have a really hardcore conviction that that's something that you need to be doing? Now, there are certain things we just need to be doing just because the Bible says. And yes, we should be a witness. But a woman is obviously not called to be a pastor. You know? Um, we all have not the same office. Okay? So, some are called to actually, some men are called to be deacons. Some men are called to be teachers. Pastors. Um, some women's I mean, as far as in, in the Bible, it talks about different things that women do. You know, the keeper of home, that the elder women should minister to the younger. Um, certain responsibilities we have as men and wives and that the children have also. So, these are things that we are the body of Christ. And the Bible talks about, can the, you know, like, can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you. And all members should be working together. But that's not really happening very much in, in modern day Christianity, especially in America. Instead, we've got most Christians that are really true Christians that want to live right. We have the other pseudo-Christians just speaking evil about them. That's what basically will happen most of the time. And we talked about that earlier. Um, why? Because your very presence, if you are really a true Christian, and if you've, if you've separated yourself from this stuff, convicts them of their own sin. And if they were to believe anything that you're saying, even though it may biblically line up totally, that means they're going to have to question everything they've done. And maybe they've got 20 years, 30 years, 40 years invested in their religion. Maybe they've worn that pew for 40 years. Maybe they've been a pastor for 40 years or been a deacon. Oh, that, they're, they're in too deep. They, they, can't, they can never recant. They've got too much invested in this. Well, you know, that's between them and God. But if you willfully push God away once He's shown you truth, you know, that's a very dangerous position to be in. Then it says, so we many are one body in Christ. So we are the body of Christ. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy as accordingly to the proportion of faith. Or ministry let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth, there's another gift, exhorting, which would be like an encourager type of thing. On exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. There's a gift of giving. It's a gift of giving. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy 
with cheerfulness. Showing mercy is a gift. So see, it doesn't. It's it's not always real cut and dry about gifts because in God's eyes, I mean, somebody could say, "Well, I'm a pastor and I'm a teacher and I'm doing all these things and you're really not doing what I'm doing." But that person could be a giver and somebody that shows mercy, and it'd be just as important in God's eyes. Um, but that's not going to be the limelight stuff. I, I really don't want the limelight. The limelight always gets you in trouble. You know? Um, you get a big head and, and you start thinking that you're something that you're not. That's why the Bible says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Remember the pit from whence you were dug. The Bible also puts it another way. See, these are verses I really like to dwell on. And I know they kind of seem negative, but the thing is, is they keep you humble. And to me, you cannot know what God... <coughs> is really wanting for your for your life unless you're humble before the Lord, unless you come to Him as a little child. Um, if we start to get proud and start to think we have everything figured out, and that humility leaves us, then you're really in trouble, because then you're really not going to be able to hear the, 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 um, the Lord. I mean, even if you're reading Scripture, if you're proud, and the pride always blinds you, did to Satan, pride blinded him, why? It's because of thine beauty. I was lifted up. Well, pride always blinds you. And it's so easy to be a Christian in America and have pride fill you. And this is what the pastors and everybody encourages. Oh, you're a wonderful person. You're a Christian. You're this and you're that. And everybody feels great. And they've got their mega churches and everybody goes to these things and the pastors make them feel wonderful. And the pastors are hirelings and they're devils. And they're, tur- they're turning their flocks into the same thing. But... They can make a lot of money that way because they got that feel-good gospel and everybody wants to put money into that type of gospel. But they don't like to put money into gospel like what we're talking about today. They don't like to hear the hard things. They don't want to be humble. They want to be able to keep their pride. They want to be able to actually earn their way into heaven if the truth be known. Because those religions are works-based. Well, I'm basically a good person. I go to church on Sunday. I live like the devil everywhere in between, but you know... And then it says, having, um, Okay, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Um, dissimulation would mean hypocrisy. <laughs> you got these people coming, Oh, Brother Johnson, we just love you. You turn, you turn your back and all they do is speak evil of you. Oh, he's a nut job. Fine. Whatever. Show me biblically. Why is it somebody hasn't come to me and rebuked me biblically? Why has that never happened? I've, I've, I've openly, I'm not going to say challenged, but encouraged pastors. Come to me. The Bible says a wise man will receive a rebuke. And he'll love you for it. But the fool, when you try to rebuke him, the scorner, he will hate you for it. And you will get a blot. I've rebuked a lot of people through a lot of emails, through a lot of things. And you know what? I've received a blot on my name. Very much so because of the stance I've taken. Because I'm a thorn in their side. I'm really not a thorn in their side. The Word of God is a thorn in their side. I'm just pointing it out to them. Does that mean I think I'm better? Or that I hold myself to a higher accountability? I hold myself to the same accountability as any pastor I would give this stuff to. 
Why do I do it? Because I think I'm a smarty pants? No, because the Bible says the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But you know what my problem has always been? I've been under the false assumption that people want to know the truth. And most pastors don't want to know the truth. Most, most congregants... Now, people in this room, you do. But it's rare. It's really rare. And it's getting rarer, if that's a word. People don't want to... They'll, they'll hate you for giving the truth. Now, if, if it'd be one thing if I was giving this stuff out and I was getting all these rebukes and rebuttals and showing me scripturally... My Lord, if I have to if I have to repent before God in sackcloth and ashes, I would do it. I really would have done it before. Um, but I don't see it. I just don't. Man, I wish I was wrong about a lot of this stuff. It's not fun. It's not. It's not like, whoa, am I getting popular doing this? Oh, I'm much loved from doing this. I am vilified. You know, my life's not a popularity contest, though. It's just not. I wish I could do a better job. I really do. I don't think I'm doing enough. I, re- I don't think I'm doing... I, I just don't... I, I don't feel as though I've done enough. But I also know that mo- for the most part, what I'm giving out is falling on deaf ears. For the most part. But the Bible does say in Ezekiel 3 and 33 that if the watchmen see the sword coming and warn not the city, that his blood will I require at their hands when they're taken. Much of my motivation is Ezekiel 3 and 33. Not because I want to see him die, but they are going to most likely. The Bible says, Narrow is the way that with, with, which leadeth unto life eternal, and few there be that find it. Okay? Few. I don't want their blood to be on my hands. I don't. I really don't. And you know what else I would say to these people? Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true. If what I'm saying doesn't line up with the scriptures, then let me be the liar. Please, show me. I don't think I'm right about everything, but you know something? Because I have had to humble myself so many times and and do admit that I was wrong about so many things, especially early on as a Christian. Oh man, I was constantly being humbled. Oh Lord, I was doing this for all these years, and I, I thought that doing this was biblical, and, and I was reading the wrong Bible, and I was a fruity, nutty, charismatic. And I got taken to the cleaners by a Jehovah's Witness that one time. And, and, and um, you know, my word, I was a fool. Well, yeah, but God put me in a position where I saw that for what it was, and I repented, and I admitted it, and I thank God for showing it to me. So you know what God did then? He showed me more. Because he could trust me because I wasn't going to come to him and say, God, I have to have it my way. I want to know this information on my terms like a Gnostic would. Oh, I'm seeking this hidden knowledge and I want to, and I want to have it and hoard it and hide it, which is another thing that I could have done. I could have said, no, I'm, I'm pretty big Mr. Smarty Pants here. I'm going to hide all this knowledge that God's given me. I'm going to bury my talent. I'm going to, because, and another, my, another motivation is I don't want to offend anybody, but you're showing me God, so I am special. And I'm just going to sit on this. And that way I won't be hated of all men. We're pretty much all in the same boat in this room. I'm not just saying this is only me. 
we've been ostracized, basically, because of the choices that we've made in the church. Okay, So this applies really to all of us. Um, so, this is what happens. Jesus said it was going to be this way. Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And that mother would be, would be uh, divided against daughter, and father against son. He said that. You know, uh, and truth is a sword. What is a sword? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Think about that. Think about that verse. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God of Ephesians 6. Put on the helmet of salvation, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having your loins girded about with truth, taking up the shield of faith and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the breastplate of righteousness, too. Okay, now, of all those implements of armor, what's the only thing that's offensive? The sword of the Spirit. It's offensive. People don't like it. Think about that. It's not to see. If you're just defending yourself, you're not going to really be maybe hated of all men. But if you're being offensive, giving them truth, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. What is truth? The truth is the Word of God. The truth is offensive. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And that mother may be divided against daughter. And father... What is that sword? It's the word of God. What's so sad is that the so-called pseudo-Christians of America can't handle the sword of the Spirit. They don't want it to... In fact, it's offensive to them. It is offensive to them. Because its very presence convicts them of their own sin. And they, we can't have that. We can't have that. So, if you want to be offensive, use the sword of the Spirit a lot. Quote scripture a lot. Put out truth. And you'll be offensive and you will be hated of all men. That's what happens. But the Bible does say, Blessed are ye when all men shall revile you and hate you, and you shall suffer persecution for my sake, for great is your reward in heaven. Actually, to be honest with you, this is something we should actually be looking for in our own life as fruit of a Christian. Now, it would be one thing if everybody was on the same page and we were all Christians and, and we were all really seeking as a Christian nation to really get out the gospel. Then you really wouldn't have a lot of persecution. But that's not what happens in the world. It doesn't happen that way. There's always a remnant, and the remnant's always persecuted. And the more they try to live by this book, and the more they, and the more they want to quote scripture, and the more they want to do right, the more persecuted they're going to be. And most of the time, the persecution's not going to come to your face. It's going to be behind your back. Because it's always easier to vilify somebody behind their back and condemn them than it is to get in their face, especially when they don't even have a real argument. They don't have a biblical argument to stand on. That's why they don't confront you to their face. Because they can't take this Bible and say, here's what you're doing that's wrong. They can't do it. And this country's the worst. The worst. There's no country on the planet that has more hypocrisy in it than America. At least in Europe, at least in these other pagan countries, they're devils and they know it. For the most part. And I don't mean to include the Catholic religion because they're... They're acting like they are Christians. I will, I will exclude them from that because the Catholic religion is in almost every nation. But I'm talking about to the level of the hypocrisy that we see. I don't think there's another country that could compare to America. And hypocrisy is one of the things that most angers God more than anything. Hypocrites. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That was the first thing out of his mouth. Ye hypocrites. 
The person that he said, cast the beam out of your own eye, that you can see the speck in your brothers. What was the context of that verse of judge not lest ye be judged? He was a hypocrite. A hypocrite is somebody that basically condemns one thing and is doing it. Is doing the very thing they're condemning. That's, how, that's what God judges as a, as a hypocrite. So it says, love, let love be without dissimulation, meaning hypocrisy, which is where we all started here. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. That's becoming harder and harder to do. Because evil's everywhere, and good is not. <laughs> be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. In other words, put another person ahead of yourself. He, where's the biblical context for that? Well, the Bible says, He that is last shall be first, and first shall be last. Preferring one another. That's what that means. Brotherly love. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. So this is what we rejoice in, the hope. And hope has a lot to do with faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God, the sword of the spirit. What does faith breed? Faith ultimately does breed hope. Because if you really have faith, then you'll have hope. You can't have hope before faith though. Just like you can't have salvation, you can't have works before salvation. Salvation works following. It's faith, hope following. It's not hope, faith following. You have to have faith first in order to have the hope in the first place. Okay? So rejoicing in hope... Uh, patient in tribulation, consistent, continuing instant in prayer. Be always ready to pray. Um, you're patient no matter what is coming. Rejoicing in hope. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Now, this is here. You could you could you could view this as a tithe. You could view it as whatever you want to view it as, but distributing to the necessity of the saints. Now, I don't see it saying distributing the necessity to build multi-million dollar stadium churches or your 501c3 organizations called churches with their corporations. Hmm. It says distributing to the necessity of the saints. Now, it also says that a lot of other places. I'll, I'll take you one other place that says that. I think it's at the end of 2 Corinthians. No, it's at the end of 1 Corinthians. Just to kind of reaffirm that part, just a little bit. Because I don't think this is taught in the church at all. Why? Because how could they have their big church edifices without saying, well, you got to give, you got to give to the church because, uh, you know, Bible says so. You got you, We got to build these big, gigantic buildings. Oh, okay. Huh? Basketball courts and uh, all these things and. Hmm. Many of these churches go in debt to do it. The Bible says be the, the, the borrower slave to the lender. Hmm. Kind of seems funny. First uh, Corinthians 16 verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him. Okay, it's as God hath prospered him. The Bible does say give the first fruits to the Lord. It says that in Proverbs. Okay? First fruits belong to the Lord. As God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. 
I believe that's the New Testament um, uh, premise of giving. It talks about distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. We go back to Romans uh, 12, 13. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them, but I don't also believe this is basically saying, okay, bless them in their wickedness. Bless them that they may do more wickedness. No, 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 no. What's the big, biggest blessing you could ever pray for somebody? That they get saved. There's no higher blessing than that. Well, many would say, well, these imprecatory prayers and psalms are not appropriate. But if you look at the imprecatory prayers, like Psalm 64... But God shall shoot them when they are all men will see and fear and declare the work of God for they shall wisely consider of his doing. Hmm. That's, that has an implication for people getting saved. Ananias and Sapphira, when they were killed, um, what happened? A lot of people got saved. Okay, now, I don't ever believe we should, we should, we should pray for the wicked to be blessed in their wickedness. So, I, I think we have to kind of temper that. We, we need to look at all of Scripture and compare Scripture unto Scripture. Okay? Because the, uh, the biggest blessing you could ever pray for, pray for somebody is to get them saved. But most likely, the only way a wicked person has any hope against saved is if it gets real nasty for them. Like the prodigal son. A good example. Had to get real bad for him to finally see the light. Most people that get saved, that's how it usually has to happen. You know, what do they just do? All of a sudden, they're living like the devil, and one day they wake up, and all of a sudden, they just want to turn over a new leaf? It doesn't happen that way. So, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Now, a lot of this has to do also, I think, with the fact that if you're cursing them, you are basically not forgiving them. And the Bible says if you don't forgive your brethren, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive you in Heaven. So, if you're really... Now, there's a... So, it doesn't come out right there and and say it like the next verse but it does say that in scripture that you always want to forgive people because by you forgiving others now you can appropriate forgiveness from God so it has a lot to do with you getting your prayers answered because if you don't forgive others he's not going to hear you so these are a lot of different little things that you can do to get your prayers not answered or a template on how to get your prayers answered. What do we want to do? How do we want to live our lives? That's why if um, a lot of this has to do with, you know, if, if you're having a hard time forgiving somebody, pray that God gives you that gift. He imparts you that measure of forgiveness that you need because you, um, maybe right now you're not capable of doing it. And in and of yourself, you're not capable of doing it anyway. So maybe this is something that you, that you might need to pray for, either whether it's patience or, or give me more forgiveness. I, I, I God, I can't forgive. God's not going to get mad at you if you come to Him and say, "Well, I, I just, it's not in me to forgive Him. I don't have any conviction about it. I don't have any conviction about forgiving me." Yet you know you can look at Scripture and say, "I got to do it. It doesn't matter if I don't have a conviction about it. I still got to do it because Bible says I got to do it." Well, then ask God to give you that measure of forgiveness that you need because He's the only one that can impart it anyway. He's the only one that can impart these types of convictions. Because you can read it in the Bible and still have no conviction about it. It's possible. Um, well, maybe you're hardened in that one particular area. Every, nobody's perfect. I mean, 
it's when you get hardened to the whole point of when you're just hardened to sin, that's when you got to really, you know. So anyway, just something to think about. Um, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. That's why the Bible says, be all things to all men. Now that doesn't mean like my friend Mark, who was with me in the charismatic movement, who basically saw everything that I saw, saw the stuff on the King James, saw how, how whacked out the charismatics were, and yet now he's right back in it, a missionary in, in South Africa of the charismatics. He's gay, found out that later homosexual, had all these piercings all over him. I don't even know if he got tattoos. But I mean, he looked like a freak. Well, the charismatics would say, would quote this verse. Um, Be the same mind one to another. Um, Mind not high things, but condescend of men of low in the state. Be all things to all men. They would quote that verse to basically justify them getting their tattoos. Uh, I saw... we were flipping through the channels the other night and there was this advertisement for this wicked show called Miami Inc. Ever heard of it? It's about these tattoo artists in Miami. These group of men, they're tattoo artists, and they're all covered, they're, all, they're satanically possessed of the toenails. And most people that are tattoo artists prove, in fact, most of them are Satanists. And they realize that by putting these marks and this ink on the body, they're imparting demons into the person. That's what they're doing. They actually bless the needles prior to doing it. So in other words, you want to do acupuncture. Because they do the same thing with acupuncture needles when they come over from Korea, which is most where most of the acupuncture needles come from, is they got these, their, whoever, their shamans or their, or their uh, Shinto priests or whatever, they bless the needles before they come over here. It's another reason I don't do acupuncture anymore. You put that needle in your body, it's basically like you're, 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 you're cursing. You're, 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 you're implanting a demon or a devil. Tattoos are no different. That's why another reason they're so addictive. You ever notice if a person gets one tattoo, they got to have more and more and more? That's why. You got Satan, Satanists many times blessing the ink, the, the ink needles that they're using. It's ungodly anyway. The Bible says not to put marks on your body. That's why. That's why so much of this tattoo stuff has exploded. Okay. Well, yeah, but that's what my friend, my friend Mark's doing. It, I, you know. Um, he was into cocaine and all this stuff. You know, gay, the whole nine yards, all covering it. But in the ministry, I don't know how much of it he's still doing. I don't know. And he's come to me before and asked me for donations so he could go to these things. And I'm like, Mark, I have got into this with you so many times about why I cannot sow into your ministry. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Do you want me to tell you again? I mean, I feel bad rebuking him over and over again. <sighs> but, you know, it doesn't mean I hate him. I feel, I, 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 I you know, but it's very frustrating, you know, dealing with somebody like that. Um, so it goes on, be the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. You know one of the reasons I really like when missionaries come, like from the Philippines and them? Because, you know, we're the ones that should be going to them to really seek the deeper things of God, I believe, many times. Because, see, they're, they're, they live in such a different environment. They, they live, maybe, many times with much persecution. They don't hardly have anything. Some of these guys live off 50 bucks a month. Um, they, they're, but see, in the world's eyes, they would be men of low estate. 
where did Jesus always go? Who are the people he hung out with? Typically, he condescended to men of low estate. Well, why is that? Because men of low estate are much easier to lead to the Lord than a man of a high mind. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Hmm. Does that mean that maybe if a man of low estate, with humility implied, I mean, if you're a man of low estate, you've been humbled. Not to say you can't be poor and still proud and arrogant, but it's a, it's, it's a much lower likelihood that you're, if, if you're of a man of low estate, that you're going to have a harder time humbling yourself. I think that's the reason that Jesus ended up going to the weak and, 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 and the meek and, and the beggarly and, and these types of people because they were already in the right mindset to get saved. Um, they had nothing else more to cling to. Whereas a rich man considers his walls and his castle as his salvation. The Bible talks about that in Proverbs. He considers that. That's his strong fortress. So, it's a different mindset that... that um, that is of the world. So my not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. That's why I always love, love being around these missionaries. I go to them and I just like being around them. And they're looking at me like, or, or not just me, but maybe a pastor, like we're these big spiritual giants. And actually the opposite is true. Actually the opposite is true. I should be on my knees, not, not, not worshipping them, but, but, but just condescending to, to them because really, to be honest with you, they're living much more of a Christian life than I've probably ever lived. And I'm talking about me. <laughs> I mean that. Um, but condescend men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Now, if you really do that, though, and you really believe that, and you really do condescend to men of low estates, what is that? If you condescend, you're humbling yourself. Humility, again, as I've always said, is the prerequisite for God showing you more things. If you See, God can trust somebody that's humble. He cannot trust and use somebody who's proud. But you know who can use somebody who's proud? The devil. That's why all these people are in all these high places. They're proud. He can use them. Recompense no, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. So if somebody does you evil, you don't reward them evil. In, if, in as much as possible, try to reward them good for the evil that they've done you. Now I know, with a lot of the evil that's been spoken about me, you know what I've rewarded these people to who have still come back to me over and over, who speak evil behind my back? I just reward them good. I just, I just continue to try to reward them good for the evil they've done me. Does that mean I think I'm so wonderful? No. I just... I don't know. God's just convicted me. Don't reward them evil. Do I have a right to um, try to reward them evil? Not really. Because the Bible says you're crucified with Christ and you do not live, but Christ lives within me. So I don't really have a right to go around try to seek my own agenda. But, I, but the flesh would want me to do that. Very much so. Very much so. The Bible says, Whoso reward evil for good, evil shall not depart from their house. That's Proverbs 17, verse 13. So, whoso reward evil for good, evil shall not depart from their house. See, these people are all going to bring evil on themselves because they're rewarding evil for good. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, 
now, I quote this verse a lot too. If, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, and again, I think that's a gift that's imparted, it lieth in you, well, who put it there? Who put it, who put it there for you to be possible to live in peace with all men? If, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, the measure that's been given to you, live peaceably with all men. But that's about impossible anymore. I can't even live peaceably with a modern apostate Christian church. They won't permit it. They won't permit it. It says if it be possible. It's just about impossible. Well, they won't say anything in your face. But, um, I, you know, I really want somebody to say something in my face. I really do. I want them to get in my face. Be a man. Get in my face. Show me where I'm wrong. If you're a man, why aren't you doing that? I mean, I want to know. I've gotten their face evidently quite a few times. And now I've done it, tried to do it in a nice way. I've tried to do it in a humble way. I'm not going to them and, and calling them devils and, and, and hypocrites and vipers and serpents. But I'm putting truth in front of them and they don't like the truth. If it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's coming harder and harder and harder. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. I think that's why God's given me such a, such a measure of forgiveness for other people, because if I were to take offense to everything that's been spoken about me and done to me after I've rewarded, after they've rewarded me evil for good, I would want to take vengeance. I really would want to take vengeance and get back at them for what they're doing to me. But they did the same thing to Jesus Christ. And he said, expect it. Blessed are you when you shall suffer persecution for my sake, for great is your reward in heaven. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13. So, so we know it's going to happen... It has to happen. And really, the more it happens, the greater our reward. So if you start looking at it from that angle, then you don't get that mad. Because it's like, wow, I'm stored up treasure in heaven, even though this is kind of a weird way to do it. I mean, from the flesh, isn't that kind of a weird way to do it? I mean, I'm just talking from a fleshly standpoint. Wow, I'm storing up treasures in heaven, even though they're speaking all manner of evil about me, for no good reason. Hmm. Okay, well, it's... Your ways are not my ways, God. Uh, you said it in your words. So I just believe it. So, it's kind of strange, but yeah, it's, it's the way it is. Uh, so, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Who's wrath? That's God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God's the one that repays. Sometimes he does it quick, but most of the time he doesn't do it quick. Most of the time it may not be until the great right on judgment. Or till they drop into hell. Or years and years and years later. Now, I don't pr truly don't pray that for any of these people that have rewarded me evil for good. I pray to God that He deal with them in this life while there's still hope of salvation. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't care how much evil they speak about me. I don't. I don't care how much evil... I mean, it doesn't matter. What matters is I still don't want them to go to hell. I really don't. The Bible says it's His will that not one would perish, but that all would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so it's His will that not one. And the, the Bible also says that He takes no, no uh, pleasure in the death of the wicked. 
So we've got to be careful because it's really tough to live in today's day and age if you're part of, of, of the remnant of Christianity and not get bitter. Why? Because the Bible says the root of bitterness springeth up and defileth many. That root of bitterness will spring up inside you and defile you and then you become bitter and then you're, you're no different than they are. Because they're all bitter. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. There's the prescription. Overcome evil with good. Doesn't matter what they do to you. Doesn't matter how much they speak behind your back. Still reward them good. Still reward them good. I'll still reward them good. I will. If they come to me and they ask me, and, and, and I'll, I'll still reward them good. I'll still, I'll still treat them good. I will still treat them as I want to be treated. I think that to a certain extent God will show them eventually, hopefully in this life, because if He doesn't show them in this life, most of the time these people aren't even saved. So I'm dealing with an unsaved individual living in false religion. Um... Only God can impart these things to you. You cannot muster them up. You can't muster up trying to, to, to do all this. Oh man, I went over. Um, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so, it's something that um, you've got to, uh, you got to pray for. And I really believe that the prerequisite for all of this is, is praying for humility because when you're humble before the Lord, you'll be able to accomplish what Romans 12, and I'm not saying I've mastered anything, or I'm the quintessential example by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I will say I can relate to a lot of this. I can relate to a lot of what, what's going on here. Um, and um, it, you, you can only do it through the Lord. It, it's the only way. So let's go ahead, I'll close this out in a word of prayer, and um, we'll close out here. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord God, in heaven for this day, for all that you've given us. For Lord God, for your goodness and mercy. Lord God, in heaven, I praise you, God. I, I pray, God, that you would forgive us collectively, God, for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, and form, Lord God. Lord God, I do pray, God, we humble ourselves before you as little children, in the name of Jesus Christ. And that we do not have any malice or bitterness toward apostate Christianity, Lord God, in heaven toward all these factions of the world that are coming against us really unjustly. Lord God, if we always look to the cross and realize what they did to Jesus Christ, then we'll realize that this is the way it is in this world. And that this world is just a big test. And that the test is not easy. And that the test is not over until it's over. And that, Lord God, we would obey your word Lord God, not only with the words of our lips, but God indeed also. I pray, Lord God, for all those that have spoken evil of every person in this room, who have rewarded us evil for good. I pray to God the fear of God would be upon them. I pray to God that the beam would be removed from their own eyes so that they can see the speck in their brother's eye, Lord God. I pray to God they would see the apostate position that the church is in in modern day Christianity with the 501c3 organizations, Lord God that they would actually get into the real word of God with the King James Bible 
I pray to God their eyes be open. And I pray to God you do whatever it takes to open their eyes in this life, Lord God. For, for if you don't do it in this life, Lord God, there will be no hope for them in the next. They will die and they will go to hell for the most part. And then there's no hope, God. Then, then prayers don't matter anymore because we can't pray somebody out of, out of hell. There's no such thing as limbo. Prayers cease to matter after this life for a soul. They just don't matter. Your fate is sealed. It's set. Period. There's nothing more that can be done. So God, I pray you would intervene in this life. I pray to God, in the name of Jesus Christ, you'd even start with the people in this room, God. You would intervene in our lives. That we would be right before you. In the name of Jesus Christ. That you would tell us exactly what you want us to do. That you would make it clear to us, Lord God. For, for Lord God in heaven, we can know nothing apart from you. We are as lambs before you. We are as little children before you. We can know nothing apart from you. I just pray, God, we humble ourselves before you, even this day, that you would clearly show us your will in regard to wherever you would want us to be. Whether they be convictions, Lord God, that we start to have as we read your word, as we pray, whether there be an obvious door that opens up that makes it clear to us and that is biblically confirmed that this is your will, I just pray to God you do that, Lord. Because we can make no decision apart from you that's the right decision. We will only fail. Jesus, you said in your word in John 15 that you are the vine and that we are the branches and that we can do nothing apart from you. Well, I acknowledge you this day before God, before man, as my Lord and Savior, as my only hope in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no hope apart from thee. There is nothing apart from thee. And I am nothing apart from you. Nor do I desire to be anything apart from you. I just pray to God that you would guide every one of us in this room. I pray to God you bless Nonetta, Lord God, Doug and Lisa, Taylor, myself. I pray to God, you said put on the mind of Christ. I pray to God we put on the mind of Christ. Lord God, that we know the mind of Christ, that we know what you would have us do, that you save our families, Father God, for it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But I also pray, Lord God, if our families are only going to be a demonic influence on us, and you know the beginning from the end, I pray to God you remove them from us. I pray to God you remove anything from our lives in the name of Jesus Christ that would hinder us that would cause us not to do your will, that would cause us to go back into the world. I pray to God you remove all these things from our lives. Only you can really do it, Lord. I just pray to God we be obedient to your will, that whatever you require of us, we would be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice, Lord God. And you said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I pray to God we would not be rebellious to thee, Lord God. But as little children, in the name of Jesus Christ, because you said if you do not humble yourself as, as, as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. I pray to God, Lord God, that we all humble ourselves every day before you as little children. And that we never lose that humility before you. And that the fear of God be upon us and upon our families, upon the body of Christ, upon apostate Christianity, upon the sin-sick world. And that, Lord God, that fear would drive many to salvation. We love you, Lord God. We thank you for all that you've given us. I pray, God, that you bring us back at the next appointed time according to thy will. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Sure.